On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're starting off the show with a trip down memory lane. There was truly nothing better in childhood than swinging by Blockbuster to pick up a movie on a Friday night. The movie retail giant ruled the home video world for about two decades. Sadly, it paid the ultimate late fee by failing to adjust to modern times. And then we're going to see what wood tastes like and look at termites, one of the Earth's most successful insects. These six-legged creatures are in the same family as cockroaches, but unlike their sister species, they exist inside a colony with a caste system similar to ants, but their parents don't require a dowry. These little pests are known to ruin your porch or roof, but we'll learn that they actually play a vital role in the ecosystem. Stick around to hear how they fend off ant raids and all of the animals that like to call them dinner. This is Tell Me What You Know. What's going on, everybody? Today is Tuesday, June 23rd, I think. Correct? June 23rd. Mm-hmm. Episode 9 of Season 2 of Tell Me What You Know. As the great Rob Thomas once said, it's a hot one. <laughs> it is warm. It got there. hot, like, it's overnight. Super muggy. Seemed. Yeah. Uh, walking down here today, I was just, like, sweating in my mask, breathing on myself. Oh, yeah. Sweaty mask. It'll be fun. So I decided I was going to walk down the sidewalk without wearing a mask. Dangerous. You're dangerous. You're a dangerous man. I know. Uh, it is officially summer, though. I think the summer solstice was this past weekend. Yeah, that was the uh, the longest day of the year? Correct. Yeah. That is correct. So nice. Summertime. Mm-hmm. And we've got some light, very faint light at the end of the tunnel. We've got some sports back. Golf was back this past weekend. What, I mean, I think I could have shot 75 at Harbor Town this past week. Oh, it looked like the easiest course of all time. What's going on? Yeah. There were so many 63s on... Yeah. What, Saturday, yeah. What the hell? Are you going? To, are you going to play that course soon? I'm going for Labor Day. I'll be in, in uh, Hilton Head. Hilton Head. Uh, we're staying at Harbor Town. I don't know where we're going to play. There are a lot of good courses around yeah. there, but if you can get out on it, yeah, it'd be a nice tournament condition. Yeah, oh, yeah. it'd be, it'd be fun. very fun to play. Yeah, I will not shoot 75. Yeah, on the front, maybe I'll shoot 75. Maybe let it grow in a little bit, slow out the greens. Yeah, it's a few months away still. Yeah. Uh, tennis is back as well. I don't know if you saw Novak Djokovic through. <laughs> no lay. How did uh, how that tournament go? I think everything's fine, right? Yeah, I think everybody has coronavirus from it. Is he is he asymptomatic through it? I haven't heard if he's he he dealing with anything. Well, first that Grigor Dimitrov guy. Yeah, had it, and it was like a tournament. There was no social distancing, no masks. They're like, yeah, in Serbia, we've taken care of it. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> they did have pretty strict lockdowns over there. Yeah. Um, Ball but, boys, the whole nine. Uh, but now, yeah, he's like apologized. He's like, hopefully this doesn't, nothing bad happens. He's got it now as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah hopefully nobody takes it home to their parents and Jesus. kills them. Oh, God. Yeah, it's not good. But now we got some, we're getting closer with baseball negotiations, I think. I said as long as they report July 1. Oh, really? I, I, ready to go. I heard it was really unraveling. I think yesterday or today, they said they're going back to the March agreement. Oh. Uh, oh, just yeah. going back to what it was before. I guess, yeah. Still don't know about basketball and football and all that kind of stuff, but we'll yeah. see. Well, basketball is, basketball is coming back at the end of July. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting so, to see how many Some players people, are not playing. Yeah, it's going to be in interesting it. to see how many people like test positive for this when they go in there and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're all being tested right now. There's something about you get tested and then you have to quarantine before you arrive. Mm. But I, I agree. I think it's going to, someone's going to get it. And then I don't know if that means they shut it down or, or what. Yeah. I think a lot of the players are young enough that I, I don't think a lot of them will even show symptoms right. of anything. Which, which again, I, th- I think this is like an odd thing to, 
I hear two. I hear two sides of this. People say like that is a good thing and that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. and I understand both perspectives. But I would have to say that's a good thing. I mean, if fifty to eighty percent of people have no symptoms, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, it's both. Right. It's bad in that you could easily give it to somebody. I mean, everybody knows why it's bad. You could easily give it to somebody who that with, when you, without being aware that you have it, and that person might not have the same reaction. Yeah. Right. But if we need to get to sixty or seventy percent herd immunity, we're almost there. Shouldn't well should well shouldn't we try to give it to the people that wouldn't have the symptoms? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a way to tell whether somebody will be asymptomatic or not. Right. Well, younger and healthier. Right. That's a good way to find out. Yeah, but my cousin's friend's sister's boyfriend said that somebody they know is 24 and is on a ventilator right now. <laughs> yeah. See all those stories as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, Anyways. Uh, I got a little complaint before we get going. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sick of, uh, it seems like every single day is national blank day, like yeah. whatever day. Mm-hmm. I got a, you know the app GoPuff? Yes. <laughs> it just the, like delivers. Like convenience store yeah, delivery? I've never, I've used it one time, I think. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. You can just walk to a convenience store. Uh-huh. But, I got a push notification from them this weekend. It told me it said, "Cancel your plans this weekend. It's National Cookie Dough Day. <laughs> Stay home and eat cookie dough. Cancel my plan. All right. First of all, what plans? <laughs> Second of all, you want me to cancel my plans for National Cookie Dough Day? <laughs> you know, there's some girl. Who's the genius behind right? that? Yeah. Just what do you want to say? How about you say, "Cancel your plans." Fifty percent off when you purchase a Ben and Jerry's cookie dough. Or cookie dough chunks bag. That should be the motto of tell me what you know. It's Friday. Cancel your plans. Cancel your plans. You got a new tell me what you know episode. Yeah. It's cookie dough day. (laughs) Ridiculous. I just had to get that off. Every day is a day though. Every day is a day. And every day I I hear it, I'm kind of like, oh, it's national taco day. I kind of want a taco now. That seems like it's national taco day every week. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. I had another little complaint, but I don't want to start the... Show off. No, I want. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Let's air, air the grievances. Well, you know, I've been make. I got a sous vide for my birthday, and I've been making yeah. a lot of sous vide stuff. Typically, meats, chicken wings. I've been doing a lot of delicious chicken wings. Why do chicken wings cost so freaking much money at restaurants? They should be like five dollars for twelve of them, and they're yeah. like twelve. They're like a dollar a piece. Mm-hmm. High margin. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why you can go to. I ordered uh, some chicken Buff- wings the other weekend, and that, I was like really mad. That's because- why you can go to Buffalo Wild Wings and have like a thirty cent chicken wing. They're still making profit. Yeah, I want I want twenty five cent wing nights back. <laughs> Give it to me at cost. Seriously, and I'll pay at for at least my beer. one night a week. Something. Yeah, and I'll pay for the beer. Yeah, and that's my other complaint. <laughs> other than that, I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> if those are your only two complaints. You're doing pretty well. Those are the only two I feel like vocalizing. <laughs> I feel like. Anyway, let's hop into today's episode. Michael, tell me what you know about Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Nice topic. Not a super long one. We're just going to kind of yeah, go through the, I, the, pro, the whole lifespan of the store. Well, what's great is that everybody knows how it ended. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's right. No spoilers here. Um, I love Blockbuster. I love movie stores. I mean, a lot of my childhood, I love just like walking around through movie aisles, yeah. just looking at Movies that they had. I love the smell of Blockbuster. I love the smell of their plastic cases. Yeah. I know that's a weird thing to say, but hey, that's one thing I really remember well, I mean, about I know Blockbuster. What you're about. Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know when it began. Uh, I know 
you had to rewind it when it was VHS time. Be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how how many stores there were. I know the 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 final ones in Alaska, like the last Blockbuster. I'm not even sure. It may it might have closed like recently. Um, but tell me more about Blockbuster. Yeah. So the year is 1985. 85. There's a software guy in Dallas named David Cook. He was working. He sold software to the petroleum industry. Okay. And there was a downturn in the oil industry for whatever reason. Uh, he was helping a friend out do some uh, like research on a video store the guy owned, and he was like, "Oh, I think there's like some some room to to improve this kind of thing." So before it was all just like independent. It was probably owners. mom and pop type stuff, right? Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, we'll hold movies here. You can rent them out. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he saw potential. He was a big database guy, and so he started using barcodes to inventory the ten thousand films per store. Uh, he set up a six million dollar distribution center so that stores could pop up easily and like kind of seamlessly, right? So it would be like, I've, I've, I'm going to lease a new little uh, place in a shopping center. Yeah. I need the inventory. And, and it's be like, here you go. Super easy to get it to yep. him. Uh, the inventory was tailored to area demographics. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he opened the first Blockbuster in Dallas. He wasn't there super long. Uh, an interesting kind of sidebar about him. He seemed to be kind of ahead of his time on a lot of things. Like he... So after Blockbuster, he started working for a company called Amtech, which used the radio frequencies to develop the technology for uh, electronic toll collection. Okay. So like RFID tags. Right. And yep. apparently he couldn't, for whatever reason, he couldn't sell it or he couldn't patent it or he was too early on it basically. And he got copied and eventually somebody else did it. Right. After that, he was trying to persuade record companies to let him digitize their libraries. And he was like five years too early on that. That was in 98. Yeah. And then finally, he worked for a company called Zix Corp, and he was working with email security and all that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. like in 2000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he's been doing since, but he's always remained a super uh, like quiet, reserved person. Like he's, got, he's started all these things, and he's like very wealthy and, and very uh, successful, but nobody knows the guy David Cook. Everybody knows uh, Wayne Wazenga, the, guy, the waste management guy who came in and bought the, the shares from him basically uh-huh. and ran the company for a while until he eventually sold it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 87, he sold the majority to Wazenga, uh, the waste management guy. And cook said he even mentioned later, he's like, I'll admit, I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't think that blockbuster did better under Wayne. This guy, I guess was just really, so he, yeah, he sold it to him and it did great. Right. Okay. Uh, and by 92, it was the undisputed leader in movie rental. 2,800 stores worldwide. They had acquired a British company called Ritz and other American competitors as well. Uh, they got purchased by Viacom in 94 for $5.4 billion. Wow. Big chunk of change. Yeah. Uh, and then five years later, they take it public for a $2.63 billion valuation. Oh, like half the valuation? <laughs> yeah. And they, they, main, they retained the majority of the shares because huh. of, the, I guess, the cash flow. Uh, they like, I think they sold like 18% of the shares or something like that mm. in the mm. IPO. Oh, okay. So, oh, but at the same time, at like right around this time, 99, around, you know, the turn of the century, movies on demand is starting to become a real possibility. And so I'm sure investors are like, uh, I don't know if I want to put money into this kind of thing. It seems odd though, if that was, if the writing was on the wall that they didn't just try to be the next. Right. Because even, I mean, we'll just talk about it. Netflix kind of was doing what they were doing with the hard disks, but always knew. I mean, I say always knew. They always seemed like they were going to head in that direction. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, like, year 2000, they're making tons of money. They're renting, people are renting tons of videos. 
Uh, but they're not just making move money off of renting movies. They're making tons of money off of late fees. Late fees. Yes. Yeah. In 2000, they made almost $800 million in late fees alone, which wow. is about 16% of their total revenue. <laughs> I don't know about you, but our family had big problem with late fees. <laughs> I've heard this about, about you and, uh, the, and the Browns. We have, I, I, I'm 99% positive there's a copy of Beverly Hills Ninja on VHS in, in a drawer in my, basement, my mom's basement right Hey, now. if you never go back, you never have to pay it. Well, yeah, I mean, now it's it's mine. It's mine now. And I know I know for a fact that there's a copy of Saving Private Ryan that got stuck in one of those TV v, VC, uh, VHR combos uh-huh. that the TV got destroyed, and so the movie's just gone as well. Mm-hmm. We may or may not have had collections called on us. I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. <laughs> but uh, somebody else is really pissed off about late fees. A guy named Reed Hastings. Oh yes, Silicon Valley guy. Uh, he was. He got very irritated by a $40 late fee for Apollo 13. So he started a company called Netflix. No late fees. <laughs> uh, so now it's 2002 and Netflix is going public. At this point, there's still a DVD by mail. No late fees. I actually never used Netflix as the DVD. Oh, oh it was great. Was it a monthly subscription or was it a pay-as-you-go type Monthly thing? subscription. Okay. And I think the, there were different tiers that allowed you to have more DVDs out at one time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you'd have your queue mm-hmm. and then the minute you returned a DVD, it would just send the next one in your queue. Yeah. Um, I think I was, I, I knew that word is quay back then. That's right. The yeah. quay. The quay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the Phoenician <laughs> pronunciation. Yeah. People from Scottsdale say it like the that. Quinn and the quay. The quay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're going public. That's kind of on the side. Netflix is starting to skyrocket. But Blockbuster hadn't quite peaked yet though. So in 2000, uh, sorry, 2004, there are 9,000 Blockbuster stores worldwide. Wow. Uh, billionaire Carl Icahn gets into the Blockbuster business. He buys a big stake in the company. Mm-hmm. He and current CEO at the time, John Antioco, did not see eye to eye. This is, the, this is Carl Icahn's MO. Yeah. Yeah. So, Carl, yeah, I mean, he, he's a billionaire, but mm-hmm. he's, a, he's an activist. So, I guess he sees him when he, when he makes money, it's okay. But if somebody's trying to take bonuses and all that kind of stuff it's a problem right from from this is from antioco's side at least he's like one of those guys that around every like shareholder meeting will have a long laundry list of things that he thinks the company's doing wrong right. and flexes his financial capital of ownership in the company he's always trying to take over board seats and get mm-hmm. more control and all this stuff yeah so there's a big feud a public feud between ican and uh antioco antioco mm-hmm. steps down this is in 2007 uh, in 2010, the company files for bankruptcy protections to try and wipe out a ton of debt, I think like a billion dollars in debt, and the next year they sell to Dish Network. Uh, they were bought at auction by Dish Network for $234 million in cash. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that included like 1,700 retail stores, which were eventually going to be closed down. Yeah. I think at one point they were talking about potentially using some of the locations for mobile phone sales points. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but... Nobody could see that you were just going to buy crap online right. at this point, but why 2011. Didn't, why didn't they want to take any of this money and put it into digital delivery of content? Yeah. I mean... Well, Blockbuster had tried that at one point, right? They had their... Did they? They had their... Well, and also you had Redbox as well, which is another competitor who I completely forgot about until just now. Mm-hmm. Or it was like a, just a point of sale. There are still Redboxes, oh, yeah. too. I, I use, I've used Redbox in the la- within the last two years. Yeah. Well, you got to think there are still places that don't have great internet. I mean... And it's just easier and better to not have to worry about streaming it to people. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's 2011. Dish, Dish acquires, Dish buys out whatever's left, basically. Uh, 2013, they announced that they plan to close all remaining stores. So, how many stores do you think are still in existence today? 
That's what I was saying. I think there's one. Okay. I think there's one. Maybe maybe there's some others, but I think there's one, and it's in Alaska. Right. You're not far off. Okay. Uh, so Alaska had two of the final four stores. They both shut down. Then there was one in Western Australia that closed down in March of last year. Okay. So I was maybe thinking when I had seen this story, maybe it was only talking about the United States. Yes. Well, there is still one in the United States. Okay. Uh, it's the last standing Blockbuster store. This is a, from an article from March of last year, so I assume it's still open. I don't know. Uh, but it's the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. Hmm. Yeah. They have over 4,000 active accounts. They're adding new ones each day. It's almost like a celebrity, uh, like a, I don't know, what do you, like a... Well, it's almost like a novelty. Yeah, it's a novelty. It? They yeah. sell like trucker hats and like sweat. I mean, they, they, have, the they, they run out poster. movies and stuff as well. But yeah. like you mentioned, Bend is super expansive and rural. There's not a lot of high-speed internet. It makes more sense that people come to town to do their shopping. They get a movie. They take it back. There's a seven-day rental period there. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Makes sense. So it's still in Bend, Oregon. Huh, Bend, Oregon. But I mean, I, that's that's really all I got on Blockbuster. I not, there was nothing better than having a friend spend the night on a Friday and going to Blockbuster and getting you could a movie spend, and a game. You oh, yeah. <laughs> you could spend so long just walking the aisles. Being, yeah. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? I, like, oh, I like this movie. But I don't want to rent it. It's like you gotta have kind of have like a um, a discussion around what's what what's going to set the tone for the night. Oh yeah. yeah, Blockbuster is great. You and and just that whole getting ta- to hold it, getting to hold it, like know. the tangible aspect of it. I know what you mean. It's it has a different um, feeling than just like scrolling through pages of Net- something. It's just that, not the same at all. Yeah. Anyway, Netflix won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I kind of started thinking about this because there's so many. There's almost like an overload of streaming services now. Mm-hmm. Amazon. The Disney and it's going to be like that for forever because there's got to yeah. be a competition. Like one thing can't have every show you want to watch, mm-hmm. right? You have to decide which shows you like better. Oh, and then what is the deal with this Quibi thing? That thing's going to be gone, right? Yeah. There's no way that thing makes it. Yeah. They spent billions on that thing. Am I just going to sound stupid in like a year when this thing's the biggest thing of all time? No, I think Quibi's going to kind of be like like Tidal, um, like that, that uh, music streaming one like that Jay-Z Z tried to do. Yeah. I think it'll kind of just be like that. I, I kind of equate Quibi with... Um, they try to have high Vine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Vine was awesome. Though. Yeah, like Vine wasn't trying to sell itself as like premium content the way Quibi is. Yeah, right. And I kind of look at it kind of like if I want premium content, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to enjoy it. It's like it's like I don't want fast like casual caviar. You know, I don't want to like go get some really good steak from a drive-through. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like yeah, it just doesn't fit. I understand that the behavior seems like it would match. Like well, oh, they, if you're watching they're something looking at the, short, yeah, they're looking at the metrics that people are on their phones all the time. Right. Let's give them right. this. Like, they well, also they, I want to watch the show. I want to half-ass watch the show while I'm on my phone. Right. Exactly. You want <laughs> like a passive a passive experience. Yes. And they also thought that the pandemic, the quarantine, was going to really help them, but. It actually had like kind of an inverse effect that people were like, at home, I have got my television. I'm yeah. not watching as, to your point, I want to watch it up there. I want to do something else yes. on my phone. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, like podcast listening is sort of, it's is ended up being down over this period because right. people aren't commuting. They're not in their cars. Oh. That's why we're losing listeners. That's right. Hands over fist. I was wondering why our <laughs> checks were lower this month. Yeah. Um, no, the, the longer the show on Netflix or the longer the movie, the more times I can refresh Twitter while I'm watching. Exactly. It's great. One quick question. Yeah. Did you see anything about like where the term blockbuster comes from? Like, Had blockbuster been just like a... Like, I since, assume like, the 70s? it's like it has to come from early cinema, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Something that like is... Well, so I've always heard Jaws as... Jaws was like the first big summer movie 
blockbuster. But I don't know if I don't know where that term came from. Like, and we're back. Did a quick look up for blockbuster here. Dates back to the '40s from what we found, right? And so it was describing these bombs that were able to take out whole block of buildings. And then I guess it started getting referenced in films with the movie Bombardier, 1943. They called it the blockbuster of all action thrill services, thrill service shows, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of took off from there. And I think you mentioned that his biggest, I guess, biggest take on was in was Jaws. Yeah, Jaws was the first movie to make a hundred million dollars, right? Um, and and yeah, I think that's when it really started. Just oh oh, you got a blockbuster coming out, and then and then Star Wars and these movies just got bigger and bigger, right? Hmm. Way better name than Hollywood Video. I did love Hollywood video. I thought they had a slightly better selection. Oh. But again, I think as, you, as you'd said, it might just be you were in a different uh, place at a different, yeah. different demographic. This would lived a bunch, lived around a bunch of stupid people. Right. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I go over to Acadia or whatever it's called. It was, it was Acadia, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get well, you stuff. know how the, the stores always were existed next to other things like a pizza shop or something. Oh, you yeah. get a blockbuster, you go get a pizza, you mm-hmm. go home. Oh, man. Such a great Ours was Friday next to a uh, mattress firm. So you got a nice <laughs> pillow <laughs> just to lay on while you watched your yeah. video. Uh, good topic, though. Thanks. Yeah. One thing I learned this week is that there's this company called Silver Push. Mm-hmm. And basically... It uses a tone that your TV emits that you can't hear during commercial breaks that allows it to pair your TV's device to your phone's device. So your phone listens for this tone and then pairs what it pairs the phone with the TV. So then you can know that, oh, you saw this advertisement and then you went to this website. So it now pairs those two together. So it allows them to, you know, maybe serve you an ad here and then serve you a different ad on your phone. Just another way the man is watching you, Michael. Silver tone. Silver push. Silver push. Silver push. I'm sure you have to opt into that. You have to download the app or something, right? It's not just going to start taking over my phone. I don't know. Some, it was... They, iOS they, 14? They notified the FTC about it. Um, huh. And I, this was in 2019, so I'm assuming this is still going on. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Hmm. One thing I learned this week, and we've kind of already discussed it, but uh, people playing video games make a ton of damn money. That's not news, <laughs> But the numbers are actually out now. So yesterday, Mixer, which is Microsoft's streaming platform, made a surprise announcement that they're in a partnership now. They're basically being acquired by Facebook Gaming. Hmm. Put a lot of streamers in a really tough place because if you've been working on Mixer to grow your community and you know grow your followers and all that kind of stuff, now you have to start over on a new platform. You have to basically hope that they'll follow you. So they won't be able to be on those other platforms. They have to only be on Facebook. Facebook, or you can go elsewhere. So basically, if you had a partnership with Mixer, you were able to renegotiate. You were, you were given automatic partnership on Facebook, whatever their partnership thing is called. You're available to, like, whatever, whatever capabilities you had on Mixer, you can have those on Facebook. But you still have to somehow convince your following to convert, right, to, to follow you to Facebook. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will just go, I mean, the, the biggest platform out there is Twitch. A lot of people will just go back to Twitch. Players will go back to Twitch. Followers and, and, for the and viewers. Part. Viewers. I mean, unless you, have, I mean, you have your dedicated community that will fo- probably follow you wherever you go. So some some big streamers on Mixer said okay, and they took the partnership deal and they moved to Facebook. Two of the biggest streamers, Shroud and Ninja, both said so. Apparently, Facebook offered them double whatever the original Mixer contract was, and they said no. So that just tells me that Facebook gaming is crap. They must hate it. Yeah, and they made Mixer buy them out. Ninja got thirty about thirty million bucks. 
Stroud got ten million dollars, which tells you their original contracts, which are probably about a year older, around the forty and twenty million or forty and yeah, yeah, ten ten million bucks. Depending on how many like years that. they had, signed right? Up. I'm not yeah. sure exactly what it was. Wow. the The rumor was that Ninja was like signing a fifty million dollar deal originally, and he's getting thirty million dollars out of his buyout. And it's like I can't imagine a better situation for these two. They get to go back to Twitch. They just get a big, big chunk of cash. They get a giant and they check. Get to go do what they, they want to go, go do. back to the platform they want to be on. I assume that's where they want to be. They both told. I mean, that, they could go to YouTube. I guess it's another option. But or they could re- yeah they could renegotiate with a new company. Right. Wow. But to turn down the renegotiation for Facebook, which sounded like it was a ton of money. Wouldn't it seem that Facebook would want Mixer because of those people that were playing on it? I guess. Yeah. I mean. It goes to show you that maybe Mixer's uh, business strategy of paying a ton of money to like three streamers didn't really work out too well. Maybe not. Yeah. Hmm. So a lot of money in gaming. When are you, when are you going to start gaming? I game. I just need to make sure that I need to put myself on camera. We can easily do this. You need to upgrade the Wi-Fi or the internet in here. All this is easily done. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right. I'll take. Uh, let's kick Miriam out of that office, and I'll take it. Yeah, she's not even going to come in anymore. Right. Coronavirus. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I learned. <laughs> Michael, you've done a um, a similar topic of this, as I figured out and just thought of like right before doing this. Uh-huh. But, uh, Michael, tell me what you know about termites. What did I do? You did cockroaches. Oh, yeah, I did cockroaches. <laughs> That's right. We're a bug podcast now. Yeah. Termites eat wood. They eat wood. Yep. I don't know. Do they actually ingest wood, or they just chew it up and mess it up? Uh, no, they they ingest it and they they break they it down. They get from the it? cellulose. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. That's that's the main byproduct of what they're going after. The cellulose. Deep dive into termites. Yeah, here. it's actually more interesting than I thought. It's kind of similar. It's like, like mosquitoes was more interesting. Yeah, I, I bet they cause a lot of damage. Uh, it's a you know, they've lended their name to a company called Terminex. Mm-hmm. They were nice enough to do that. I'm not sure how much money they're making off that. But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, they can be a real pest, a real problem for homeowners and for building owners and yeah. operators. And I, I guess anywhere there's wood, there could be termites. Are they most, I would imagine they're mostly North American. That'd be my guess. But I'm not they sure. are worldwide. Worldwide. They, they, um, pests. I'll t- yeah, I'll, I'll start with a couple of, um, like crazy facts about them before we get into it. Make you kind of like, be like, oh, wow. They will. Um, That's crazy. It's estimated that termites make up 445 million tons of biomass. So if you if you collected all of them, that's how many tons of biomass they would be. Mm-hmm. By comparison, humans, if you compile all of them, we would only be 350 million tons. Okay. So they're almost 100 million tons of biomass more than we are. So if you made a megazord out of all humans and out of all termites, they'd be a good bit bigger than us. Yeah. Oh, they'd be much bigger. Like. Aliens could come to this planet and be like, this is a termite planet kind of thing. Mm. I mean, it's, they're that much bigger. <laughs> um, some species have existed on Earth for 250 million years. Uh, yep. And they're extremely hygienic creatures. Really? Uh, they groom each other. Like, they're a social version of a cockroach, sort of. Does that mean, if they're hygienic, does that mean they don't carry disease or they're just clean? They're clean, but they, they do carry disease. They do have diseases that, like viruses that infect them. Okay. But because they clean each other so much, that, that, that limits uh, the diseases that spread on them. Gotcha. Um, each, each year, termites cause $5 billion worth of damage. It's a lot of damage. Yeah, it is a good bit of damage. All right. So, what is exactly a termite? So a termite, a termite is uh, an insect. It belongs in the order Blattodea, which is a sister 
of the cockroach. The cockroach okay. is a sister inside of the same order. Okay. Uh, they're typically a quarter inch to a half inch long, uh, while queens and kings can be much longer. Queens can be upwards of four inches long. Um, they range in color from white to light brown. They've got six legs. At times in their life cycle, they have wings. Mm. Uh, and to your point, they eat wood and biomass, grass, uh, different stuff like that. So th- they kind of break them down into ones that prefer wood and the ones that, that like uh, grass and other like easily edible biomass. Which ones would you say would be the, uh, the more affluent termites? They have more of a, a t- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> should I tell my termite joke now or should I tell it later? Oh, I want to hear a termite joke. Okay. Uh, a termite walks into a, a pub and says, hey, is the bartender here? Is the bartender? Is the bartender here? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Thank God there's no tomatoes near you for you to throw at me right now. Yep, yep. It's a good one. Yeah, thanks. Um, so they're what's called eusocial. Uh, Meaning that they're like ants and they exist inside of a colony that has a caste system. Mm. So like there are workers, there are warriors, kings, queens. Okay. So they break down their caste system into a king, queen, secondary queen, tertiary queen, soldiers, workers. And then it's not a necessarily a part of the caste, but I, I mentioned some of them have wings. Mm-hmm. When they grow wings, they enter this um, state called elates. They're like the okay. elates. Basically, these these uh, termites that grow wings are uh, meant to fly off and, and start new colonies. That's okay. pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So, the are li- you stuck in your your plot in life forever? Can you rise in the ranks? No. So th- it, this is this is one aspect of it that is sort of interesting. I don't think you're totally stuck in your rank, and like you're in your life cycle, which we'll get to next. You can sort of go from being a worker to being a warrior to mm. being going to late and fly away and start your own colony. It's kind of interesting. There's a Disney movie here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a bug li- bug's life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you kind of go from, as I mentioned, you have an egg and then you become a larva mm-hmm. and then you become a nymph mm-hmm. and a nymph can then turn into a worker or a warrior and those can turn into elates and then they deolate, which they like lose their, their wings and then those can become kings and queens. Mm. So it, it all kind of depends on, on what is required based upon uh, some of these pheromones that they, they release, and okay. we'll talk about those later. Um, so yeah, elates leave the colony during what, what are called nuptial flights. There are certain times of the year where, where they kind of they try to spread. I think these get eaten a lot, and we'll get okay. to this like in terms of the predators, but these get eaten a lot, so I think they need to kind of like send a lot of bugs out there, yeah. a lot of insects out there to find new places to start colonies because I'm sure that the percentages are, are very low. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, the pheromones kind of dictate which type of termite is born and what what they'll turn into. Okay. So if a queen dies, a male might excrete a pheromone that develops new queens. Ah. Right? Um, so let's talk a little about the colonization. Yeah. Mentioned the elates, they leave the colony. One male, one female... They find a new habitable home, like a log or something, like a piece of ground that they bury into. Um, Yeah, burrow into. In the beginning, the queen only has 10 to 20 offspring at a time, so Mm -hmm. it starts small. Uh, But more more mature queens and and more mature hives or, you know, colonies, uh, they can start having thousands and upwards of 40,000 babies a day. Okay. um, Seeding them. It's a lot. So a typical colony in terms of size ranges from a uh, hundred insects to a thousand termites. 
100, 100 termites to 1,000 termites. But the largest uh, colonies are, uh, let me see, 3 million termites in one colony. Jesus. Yeah. How do um, they know? I guess you just know. There's a way. I think, yeah, they... they it's an unfair question. <laughs> yeah, somebody's obviously gone through and, and looked. <laughs> Counted them all up. Well, they exist... I kind of talk about... We'll get into the nests next, but like they exist in these like large nests that kind of like look like mounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, the king and the queen never leave the nest as soon as it begins. Okay. Uh, they're classified as a super organism in that they make up a larger collective. Okay. Right. So they're not just one like different than like uh and that's where they're similar to ants. Like they're they're they have certain jobs, they have certain roles, and they all sort of depend upon each other to exist. Uh so they make their nests. Some nests are fully subterranean. Okay. Some nests are up in a tree. Like those are more rare. Yeah. But they're just like the like these balls of, of what kind of look like it kind of looks like mud. Okay. Uh but they all they're hard. And they need these nests so they can uh, be protected. They, they kind of look like a like a beehive. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've seen like termite mounds that look like uh, I'm not sure if it's stalagmite or stalactites, but whatever yeah. one comes up from the bottom. Yeah. They're like no, they, kind of conical. Yeah, they do sort of look like that. Yeah. Uh, like in Africa, the, mm-hmm. some of these nests can grow as high as 30 feet. Jeez. So I mean, like they're huge, and those yeah. are the ones I think you get like. Uh, colonies of like 3 million insects yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah, they all have, they have different, you know, tunnels and stuff going on. With, what? Sorry, you said that and I was like, geez. And I was like laughing at how into a termite conversation I was. It's crazy, man. It, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Wow. Uh, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, 30 feet tall. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's, I was kind of going through this. Especially how like, small well, they are. Right. Yeah. They're about the same size as like an ant. It's like a McMansion for termites. Yeah. They're huge, um, yeah. There, there's tunnels going in there. They have like they they like a nice small tunnel, mm-hmm. and I'll get to this too. But it's for like defense, in case in, in case somebody, typically ants invade their colony, Ooh. they have to uh, you know plug up the hole. So in, in ants kind of like larger uh, tunnels tunnel yeah. holes, uh, and yeah, termites kind of go the other way because they know the ants don't like them. As we, as I found out, ants and termites are like in a million years war with each other <laughs> a holy war oh uh, yeah it's big <laughs> um, 230 million year war <laughs> so uh yeah they're classified we'll talk about a little bit of what they eat their diet okay uh they're they're classified as detritivores uh-huh. yeah no that's not right that sounds perfect detritivores i can't even say the word i'm not even gonna try no keep going so they eat dead plants uh and they play a critical role in the ecosystem they break down old, you know, trees that have fallen down, yeah. old biomass that needs to get get remade. Uh, there was some fact I read, but I couldn't really wrap my head around, and I tried to follow up on. But basically, like termites turn over like every forest on the planet. Like they're they're responsible for like ninety percent of the turnover oh, wow. of all the of like of all the wood in the world. It's yeah. pretty incredible, like how how really necessary we need these things for for as much as we're as much as we hate them as they relate to like our houses i would love for them to keep turning over forests yeah stay off of my deck right it's my good good porch yeah uh so yeah they break down cellulose which is like their main source of energy and they rely on a gut bacteria to actually do this so uh they kind of live in in a symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. with their gut bacteria uh, and 
the gut bacteria actually breaks down the cellulose and then they use the byproduct um, to you know do their own ener- make their own energy. Yeah. Um, they aren't born with these microbes. The mi- like the the microbes that live inside their their gut. Okay. They're not born with them in, in yeah innately, but because um, how does this go? The workers are the only ones that eat, and they feed the rest of the colony. Uh. So uh, like the the warriors, they have um, these huge. Some of them have like huge jaws that were that they cannot eat. They're just used for like defense. Yeah. So they actually have to be fed like like almost like regurgitated yeah, yeah. in like a like a bird sense new like like given their food um so because of that and through that process that's how them as children babies get these micro these these microbes okay and every colony has a unique microbe yeah that allows them to distinguish alien invaders that might be termites from another another nest or another colony and they'll kill them because they they're not God, so some, ants and other colonies yeah they have uh, like turf wars. It's a multi-front war. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, and and these microbes do not exist anywhere else on the planet. So they only live inside termites. Hmm. Uh, they also a lot of the termites live in a symbiotic relationship with fungus. They actually have um, like they maintain a garden. That's what I was what I learned. A mm-hmm. garden of fungus which they eat and proliferate the fungus. And the fungus also breaks down plants better too, so right. it's just easier to to digest. They, and they also give like some more complex sugars. So what they do is they basically maintain the garden, so they don't have to go out and like keep finding new wood and break down and eat that. They can just eat the fungus that's kind of already doing it, and then they um, ex- excrete onto the fungus, keeps growing. It's yeah. like this perfect relationship. Huh. Um, so yeah, let's go. I want to go back to. Um, the caste system and talk a little bit about the soldiers and the workers. So uh, there are subdivisions of the warriors. Uh, they have different like defined roles and different ranks. body styles, different ranks. Uh, so they have really large heads with big jaws. And so, yeah, as I was saying, this makes it so they're unable to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. Some of them have horns on, on them and they can, sh- they can shoot out like a sticky secretion that's toxic to their enemies. And it kind of, it, it kind of, if an ant steps through it, it can't pull its leg out kind of thing. Um, soldiers and workers are mostly sterile okay. at this time. So, yeah, they're not, you know, it's just the queen they've fertilizing taken, new They've new taken the black. <laughs> exactly. They're defending the wall. <laughs> um, sometimes they use their heads to defend tunnels. Yeah. So they'll just like stick their head in, the, in a tunnel hole and just like clog it up. Yeah. And we'll get to another line of defense to do in a second. Okay. Um, and as I said, workers do all the stuff that we can basically assume they would do. They go out foraging for new food. They do. They store food. Like they move food, food to different places, and they do a lot of nest maintenance. Mm. Like, ah, go clean that up for me. That's right. Um, and as I was, as I said, they're responsible for all the digesting of the cellulose, and then they go feed the rest of re- the rest of the colony. Uh, tend to the the queen and all that stuff. So very similar to ants, but they're set, but they're different. Uh, workers may be male or female, but again, they're sterile. You have one termite just fanning the queen, another one just barfing in her mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Bring me more grapes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and also, <laughs> uh, so a lot of things eat these, like uh, bats, bats, spiders. I mean, so. 
one species was found uh, in 65 birds and 19 mammals. Okay. That, I mean, that's a lot. Aardvarks. Yeah, anteaters. Anteaters. Yeah. Yeah. They just stick and just suck up like, stick that like tongue an entire down there colony, just basically. Like a, it's like fun dip for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that big tongue. Yeah. Just stick it in. Uh, yeah, they're a really good source of protein, right? Yeah. So, yes, other animals eat ants, centipedes, crickets, cockroaches, spiders, scorpions, reptiles, lizards, bats, bears, foxes. Oh, my. I mean, a ton. Um, but the greatest enemy is the ant. Okay. So, I watched on YouTube a couple of, like, raids. They call them raids. Yeah. So, like, and they'll have, like, you know, like a methodical raid. The ant colony will go towards this towards this hive and yeah. try to kill everything, like invade it. So, um, did this video have like a uh, really close up of the ants like running and the mute in the background is just like, I will say the production value on the video is amazing. Yeah. It was national geographic with like yeah, the little yeah. micro cameras mm-hmm. and like the panning and like all this stuff. It was really good. Nice. Um, so yeah, they, they communicate. They're mostly blind. Some have eyes that they, they allow them to tell if it's night or day. Like you can tell like moonlight versus sunlight. Okay. That's basically all they got. And so they communicate with all these pheromones. So if you find um, you know, a new source of food, you excrete a different pheromone and it kind of encodes somehow where that stuff is. They also do a lot of vibrations. So similarly, they have like a little tongue thing mm-hmm. that picks up on the smells of the pheromones, but it also will feel for vibrations and stuff. Okay. So if uh, if an invasion is happening, if a raid is happening, a warrior will just start banging its head against the <laughs> thing, creating these vibrations that just kind of like alert everybody else that yeah. something's about to happen. So it's like a way for them to have like a hive mind type thing. Exactly. Yeah, so like just, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mention some of their defenses. So if an ant colony is like invading the the hive, invading the colony. It finds, you know, some of the tunnel dwellings and then it, they have their own ways of communicating and then they just diverge on, on, on these tunnels. So um, kind of mentioned, just kind of going back to uh, the uh, suicides, suicide missions, the, uh, Kamikaze? the kamikazes. Yeah. They have a suicide process called uh, autithesis. The ants or the termites? The termites. Okay. So if they're feeling like they're being overrun, mm-hmm. they go into this process called autithesis. And it's like a gland fills with toxins and mm-hmm. they explode, they rupture, and it leaves a sticky substance that sticks to their invaders and is toxic and, and then it <sighs> fills that hole. Yeah. Right? So they have to find another passageway in. Kind of interesting. That's nuts. Is there a video of that? Uh, I could not find one specifically of a rupture. Um, workers will do this too. They, they have a similar process where they'll fill with toxins and just basically rupture and explode. Yeah. Uh, and then they have to deal with the dead as well. So they can't just like, sometimes they'll just leave a dead body there. But as I mentioned, they're very hygienic right. species. So dealing with them, they bury this, they bury them. And then after like large raids, there'll be like mass grave sites of termites that they've mm. taken and put away from the colony. Um, they bury them. Sometimes they'll eat them depending on how old the termite is. Right. And then uh, sometimes they do this other process where ants do this too, where if one thing gets infected maybe with like a weird spore or something, they'll take them and like leave take, them. Yeah, leave them yeah. way away, way far away from uh, from the, the colony. Yeah. That's a lot of what I found out about termites. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, I was planning on ending with my crazy facts, but kind of wanted to start with them, kind of get you excited about how important termites could be. Yeah, they are. Outside of, yeah. They eat your deck and you kind of step through some rotten wood. They're pretty cool. 
<laughs> like I, I actually found a lot of more interesting facts about them than uh, I was expecting. Why to. don't people have more people have termite farms? That's a good question. Did you say how much damage they do a year? Five billion dollars to us. Yeah, but I mean, you know what? They're they're job creators though. It's that's right. They're giving somebody a job in the states to fix or everywhere to fix that. And think about how many things eat these things. Yeah, I mean, you want to have like a bear needs them and aardvark. All these things need need termites. Yeah. Pretty cool. Anyways, it's termites. Termites. That's it for this week's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Instagram at TMWYK underscore podcast and on Twitter at TMWYK pod. Have a great weekend and we'll see all you beautiful people for a new episode next Friday.